Hey everybody, welcome back to The Collective. I have another fantastic show for you planned out today. Very excited. We got Hunter rejoining us. We got Seb rejoining us. I am stoked. Sean's in a kimono. Like, it's just, this is a fantastic day. <laughs> yeah. Now, while I am excited, y'all should be too. Make sure you like the show, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, do all that good stuff. Get your emails in the morning when we go live or afternoon. Depends on the day. Depends on where Sean is in the world, really, is what the issue is. So, <laughs> by all means, make sure you're uh, subscribed to all that. If you have any thoughts, questions, comments, anything at all, by all means, put them up in the comment section, and we will engage them throughout, kind of like this one. Salty, evening all, Winterstorm, Chris, good to see you. Winterstorm jumps in, evening team, and Salty's giving a little shock. I like it. Um, today, we're going to be getting into defining relationships. And before we do that, though, Hunter, it's been a little while. Why don't you give us a quick little 10, 15 second rundown. Who are you? Where you come from? All that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, my name's Hunter Scher. I'm the vice president of training down at the University of Health and Performance. We're an organization that creates coaches in the veteran space and the active duty space as far as how do we upskill people rapidly um, to become strength and conditioning coaches. Prior to that, I was up at First Special Forces Group as a strength and conditioning coach, was there for over a decade fell in love with the tactical community. It come from the collegiate space with human performance, but once I got into special operations, I'm, I knew that's where I wanted to be, the people I wanted to be around. Never looked back, and, and it's just a place that I continue to to want to spend my time, my efforts, and, and where my heart is. Bam. This is what I love hanging out with you guys. This is awesome. I'm, uh, and I, we've, basically gone through the whole team i think we've had we got johnny we got hunter although you uh you just hooked me up with the is it the president I just forgot uh, the name. uh catherine wallace our catherine. director of training catherine dude she's a rock star as well she's worked as a strength and conditioning coach with all four branches down here in the states and so her experience has been all over the place she comes from a marine family so she even though she never served she definitely grew up in it um, she's been an amazing addition to the team and somebody that I'm very fortunate to call a colleague. Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to having her on. I'm going to get her on as quickly as possible. Um, and then we're good to go. Uh, we got, uh, that guy jumps in and says evening team, better known to a few as United Rental Talking Truck. Good to see you, buddy. Um, so let's get into this defining relationships. Now, again, I I've said this to the, the guy, the panel here, we're not actually defining relationships. We're going to be talking about those relationships that define us. So the first thing that I thought of was the mentor. And I'm going to give you a quick definition. The original mentor was a character in Homer's epic poem, The Odyssey. Mentor looked after Odysseus's family, particularly his son Timoculus, while Odysseus was off fighting in the Trojan War. Today, the word is used to describe any person who acts in as advisor or teacher. Um, as a noun, mentor describes the coach who taught you to play baseball. As a verb, mentor is what the coach does to help you improve your swing. A couple of quick definitions is a wise and trusted guide and advisor, or to serve as a teacher or trusted counselor. So that's pretty broad, but let's get some first thoughts on it. Seb, I'm going to come to you. What are your first thoughts? How did I see that coming? So, you know, the first the first thing that come to mind for me is <clears throat> I believe in my case anyways that a lot of a lot of the mentors that were, you know, de facto mentors in my life, especially as somebody that sort of grew up without sort of a father figure of somebody that was in the picture, um, don't know they were ever mentoring me to a certain extent. You know, it, it, a lot of them were people that we all know, such as, you know, Bruce Lee, for example, you know, one of the original motivational speaker, one of the original philosopher warrior so to speak that combination and um 
there were there were plenty of them growing up and um you know i i i selected them carefully on account of what i felt i wanted to represent as a human being as a man in this world and it's you know it can be it can be tricky when you're when you're trying to formulate what you should be and you don't have anything to model against and so you know luckily for me the the mentors that i selected over the course over the years and of course there was plenty more as the you know that were more realistic more sort of uh, you know approachable and and known to me as i as i grew older uh, most of them in the original years that were fun, foundational if not instrumental in the person that i became uh, would never know that they were my mentors and so that's the first thing that comes to mind for me i like it hunter how about yourself yeah, I think Seb hit the nail on the head starting off with it in regards to that father figure. Um, very fortunate. I just remember how much my dad had poured into me and the time that he spent and the dedication and just, you know, continuing to piggyback off Seb a little bit was, you know, people not, you know, recognizing that they might even be your mentors, but you wanting to emulate them, who they are, how they interacted, just just how they lived their lives. And and as I kind of grew up a little bit, I, I, I had some amazing ones for, in the coaching world um, that really paved the way for who I am and, and just laid that foundation, um, which was really beautiful and so appreciative to them. So, yeah, it's I would just be double tapping what Seb said so far so beautifully. Yep. I like it. Sean, what about yourself? Well, I'm in line with Seb in the sense that I don't believe I had many uh, strong figures in my childhood or um, leading up to the military. But once I entered into the military, I started figuring out through my own way who the mentors were in my life. And to go back to Seb's point of Bruce Lee, before the army, I was already vibing with Bruce Lee. Now, I don't know why I was vibing with him, but that's key to me. I felt my way through the world. I felt my way through relationships. I felt how to move through life finding people that I want to align with. And I don't know why I wanted to align with Bruce Lee because no one ever taught me that Bruce Lee was a guy to follow. No one ever taught me that Bruce Lee was wise or a philosopher or what he is to me today. And it's been decades of thinking about my relationship with Bruce Lee that has helped me deeply better understand what he means to me now. But as a young boy, I, I didn't know any of this. I just felt that he was something that aligned with me, that I resonated with, that I vibed with, that I had synchronicity with. And so for me, the relationships that I've formed through my life have been through vibe, through feeling what it means to me. And it's only years later that sometimes I understand how important that relationship was. So uh, again, to the panel's point, often we don't know, or I didn't know who was important to me at certain times and why they were important to me. Uh, but uh, I felt my way through the world, uh, and and it seems to have worked out well for me. Yeah, this is a this is a great start, and I, I want to come back to Hunter here for a second because you were you just mentioned that you know you remember your dad pouring himself into you, and did you recognize it at the time, or was this like a secondary, tertiary thing, twenty years down the road kind of thing? Yeah, it was. I don't think much of the time, but I then. Even when I got to college, I think, um, you know, when I was in at least my early 20s, I had recognized, obviously, you get out in the world a little more and you see and interact with others. And you're like, wait a second, this is not as common, I think, as, as maybe I thought. I mean, I was very fortunate. We kind of tease that we grew up in Pleasantville, 
you know, it's sitting around the table with mom and dad at night and, you know, but my dad did so much to, to lay the foundation. Um, but yeah, to your point, didn't recognize or truly appreciate it until later on. And yeah, it's at the time I, I wish I would have, um, but hindsight and, and all that it is. It's a, it's a tough thing. And Seb, I want to touch on this with you as well. You're saying you didn't really have that, uh, growing up, but was there, uh, you know, somebody else that kind of took that role or like, was it your mom that had to kind of, uh, take on that role from that, that mentor piece of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, um, this was a, a mom led operation for me mostly, uh, throughout my life, but you know, it was quite interesting because she was very aware of the things that I was missing on without having a dad. And of course she couldn't make up for all of those things, but some of those things she could, you know, I was boxing with her until I was eight or nine years old and, you know, or actually maybe a bit later than that, maybe 11. And, uh, you know, one day I, we we're boxing after dinner and I hit her hard and she's like, that's it. That's enough. You're old enough. Now <laughs> I got nothing else to teach you, you know, kind of deal. And then she had, of course, introduced me to, to the martial arts and, 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 and to the, the, that way of living, which, which led into Bruce Lee. And so, you know, despite the fact that that was the case, she had taken on a role that she was very aware that there was, there was something that was missing there that potentially I would be not only looking for, but also that I, that I might be lacking as a, as a man by not having that. And so I think she did, you know, a fantastic job as a 15 year old when she had me, you know, um, to, to sort of bridge that gap and make sure that I was, that I was capable of recognizing who I should be emulating. And so everything that Bruce Lee stood for, she was in line with. And so the, there's no accident there. It, it was definitely, uh, you know, a team efforts, I would say. Sure. Yeah, sure. Sean, uh, I'm going to come to you on this one as well, but I, you said you didn't really have, you, your, your dad was there, but you didn't really have the, the mentor figure there. Was it, again, did you notice that right away? Was that something that you then sought out later on or was it, just like once you joined the military, you were like, okay, fresh start. Ooh, ooh, that guy looks cool. What was it? How did that process work for you? Well, I, I didn't have, as I've stated uh, before in the podcast, and I've said it uh, publicly on other podcasts, that I didn't have these strong characters in my life when I was a kid. And it was only until I joined the military that I started to understand the potential of uh, of humanity, as it were, or what people can accomplish. I just didn't know. Uh, The only things that I did know were through movies uh, like Bruce Lee or John J. Rambo, these kind of things. So sort of idealized large heroic characters or or through books, a lot of reading as a kid, um, what what was possible as either a uh, fictional character or a historical character. But these, uh, again, a lot of these books were idealized or or romanticized uh, figures either in the book or in my mind. And the only time I I really feel that you can get contextuality on uh, what it means to see full potential in a person is to stand next to it in the three-dimensional world. And so when I entered into the military and, and was being surrounded by people who could do more, be more, see more, hear more, think more, smell more, run more, all of the mores. When I started to become surrounded by that, I started to ask myself, well, why not me? Why can't I? Because I didn't have that self-belief uh, as a young young boy, as a, as a young man prior to uh, entering into the military. And so once I was surrounded by it, I started to maybe not believe at that point, but I started to think that 
if they can, then so can I. And I started uh, putting together the puzzle pieces to form a more complete picture of, I think I can do this. Now I know I can do this. And now I can start moving towards the front of the pack of doing it. And not that I wanted to lead the race, but I wanted to be in the race and moving towards the front of the pack, as it were, to better understand my potential as surrounded by the pack that I was hunting with, for lack of a better term. And so I, I believe that uh, it was a process for me over many years that I'm still evolving in, uh, as it were. I like that. I mean, Hunter, you got any thoughts on that at all? Um, yeah, the vicarious experience as far as Sean, to see all these people that you were able to then emulate around as far as like, even if you didn't have that self-belief, I love that you touch on the fact like, man, why not me? I see these people. I know that, you know, I haven't done these things. I'm seeing others do it though. And so putting that belief inside of you by those that you surrounded by, which then speaks obviously to the power of the company that we keep and people being mentors without even knowing it and all the little pieces, man. So I, I just really like that aspect of it. Absolutely. Zab, you got any thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I definitely, there's a segue with, with Sean here for me in the military, because that's also where, you know, during basic, basic training is where I realized what, what men were capable of, the, the people standing with me. And, and I had some incredible, you know, leaders capable of, of delivering at a very high level. And I started understanding what the, what kind of power was harnessed within. And you mean to tell me that I can, I'm not going anywhere if I don't quit? You know, like that I can, that I have a choice to make and I, I can make the, the choice to stay here and I can make the choice to be a performer and I can make the choice to be at the top of the heap or try my very best to be and help others get there. This sounds like a great plan. And uh, and, and I embarked on the exact same journey. So, you know, the, the, the fundamental sort of character traits were there built in. You know, I was thankfully through mom, as I mentioned earlier, but there was kind of nothing during my teenage years. So I kind of got lost. And, uh, and when I joined the military at 18, life has completely changed for me. And when I understood the power that we have, that we harness within, man, it was off to the races. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've heard this many times and I, it, for many different people in many different scenarios of, you know, had I known then what I know now, how, how much better could I have been or where could I have gone or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I've always said the same thing, you know, like you have to go through all the things that you've gone through to then look back and say, Oh, of course, that would have been nice to know back then. Uh, but I'm wondering if looking back with your guys' experience now, not so much what would you tell yourself, but what would you tell younger versions of yourself or other up and comers, people who are just getting into the game, you know, the 17, 18 year olds who are watching the collective, and they're like, Well, I don't have a mentor. And I don't know where to find one. Like, where do you even begin? Seb, coming to you. What do you think? Well, if you're watching the collective right now, you're already doing it right, is what I would say. Because <laughs> most people that are tr truly struggling with that right now are are probably not sitting in front of us. And so, you know, I don't know. Like, if I was to talk to a seven and eighteen year old, I mean, now with the the luxury of of hindsight, as as you mentioned, and the, and and the fact that there is a network that's out there doing the things that wasn't really a thing back then you know in the in the 70s 80s and 90s or even in the late 90s it, you know there was it was very very sort of scarce as far as having 
the sort of information that we have with the or the accessibility to information as we have now but i would say is you know um you're you're you have to go out there and you have to engage in this life in this game called life and you have to do some things that are different that are uncomfortable and you have to do some things that you know are going to challenge you and and you have to look around as well because self-awareness comes by way of having a look around and seeing where you stand sort of when you when you where you stack up as far as in comparison to the people around you and and this is not making a comparison in a competitive way but it's making a comparison to see what's possible and this is what perspective is all about and i think a lot of people are afraid of that afraid of engaging and trying to find perspective around them so that they, they are able to sort of calibrate against i think that not doing that is really a disservice to any human being so i would i would say start there and i would say you know be 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 sort of uh, relentless in your pursuit and it's it's all going to work out it is going to work out as long as you, you do the work. I like that. Hunter, thoughts? Yeah, so many good points, man. I love I love the word relentless um, I, I, because I think that's going to go to show anybody that if even if you don't even know that you're, who your mentor might be, the effort that you're willing to put in, if they can see, continue to see you show up is so big. Um, but I, I think the world is so small anymore that if you truly want to figure out where you want to go. There's people out there. There's mentors that can be found, whether that's in the coaching world, whether that is in obviously in the special operations world, wherever it is, like you can find somebody if you really are relentless and put the work in to see who's been there, who's done to some extent what you want to do, or at least there's some sort of path that you can learn from. Um, in addition to that, I think taking risks um, that is put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to fail. You know, Seb talked experience real quick as far as like you need to get out and experience some life. And you, you're you going to have to get your hands dirty at some point. You're going to have to put in the work. And so if you can combine those things of being relentless, doing the work to seek somebody out, and then willing to put in, you know, the, the hours to it, I think can create a really special combination to where you'd probably be surprised how mentors probably start to appear when you start to act in a certain way. Yeah, absolutely. Sean? Thoughts on this? Well, creating a relationship, I think, is um, as uh, two paths that act in parallel if you're optimizing things. The first relationship is with yourself. The second relationship is with the world around you. And you can operate in either one of those spheres and spend the rest of your life trying to understand them, and you wouldn't have wasted any time. But if you can observe both of them simultaneously through the relationship with yourself and the world around you in parallel, identically at the same time in the now, that is the richest lifestyle I believe that you can achieve. And that's something that I continue to better understand as I get older and, and try more to be better at. And so you look at this conversation as an, you look at this conversation as an example. Uh, what I think sets these kind of conversations apart from a lot of um, online podcasts is that the delivery of the information is typically one person speaking to the world without interacting with other people in a relational form in the now and contextualizing their thoughts against a panel of people that keep you on your toes and introduce new ideas in the real time so that you can 
interoperate in the now with your peers or with your other relationships. And so I feel that it's, it can be pretty easy to do a monologue in front of a microphone and deliver your ideas of the world. But in real time, in a panel like this, or more correctly, more than just a one-on-one -on -one, uh, interaction, it is a richer conversation that should allow you to become richer on a more exponential basis. And so relationships in the digital world, as an example, are, um, are cascade quickly if you can um, act in, these, in, in this fashion where you are absorbing wisdom from others in the real time whilst while trying to contextualize it against your own wisdom rather than just a single person spitting out their thoughts to the internet. That is an absolutely great point. Uh, Seb, you got any thoughts on this? I do, yeah. One, one thing that come to mind for me is the best way to optimize this is to not be threatened. And that is something that sometimes can be a, an impediment to development or, or to growth in a context, in certain contexts. And so, you know, it, it's kind of a catch 22 because your, your, your sense of self-worth rel relies heavily on the experiences and the sort of the, the knowledge of what you can or can't do. And if you're developing and you don't know certain things and you see somebody that seems to have it all together, you need to realize that. You know, the, 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 there's no comparison to be made here. Everybody grow their, is growing at their own rate. And so, but imagine if we put everybody in a panel like this and I felt threatened by every smart person that I get to engage with, you know, what is that going to do to me? And if it starts affecting my self-confidence and now I, I clam up or I decide not to be engaged in them and imagine what kind of catastrophic consequences could, could be could be suffered as a result of taking that kind of attitude. So I think it's important to realize that people are all at different stages in life and it, it it really doesn't matter where you stand in relation to them what is what is it that you seek forward momentum then look around and and really try to gain from everybody people that are following you and people that are ahead of you that's a critical piece of self-awareness absolutely hunter thoughts on this yeah it's uh, it's in the name in regards to the collective um, you know, the old African proverb, as far as if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And for the group to, to be able to, to, to Seb's point, it can be hard if, but we all know if you, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room and the humility that that takes and the self-awareness that that takes is hard. It is intimidating. It can be tough, but those that you can surround yourself by, you can feed off each other, whether it's conversation, skill. But then having some sort of like self-awareness, self-belief, always easier said than done at times that, you know what, that person might be further along with this set of skills or here's what I bring to the table. They might be better in this and this, you know, whatever it may be than myself, but here's where I excel and understand like, man, if you're in a room or people have, have you in that room for some reason to recognize that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's why I love the name, the collective, because it's, everybody's going to be stronger because of that. Absolutely. Sean, any points to add on this? Yeah, it is an, an important point that uh, the panel raised, and that is uh, levels to the game. And, and there's, there's, no, there's no mistaking that there's levels to the game. We have talked about this in the past, and you can't duck, dodge, or dive it. You can't kid yourself that you're, you're at the top of the heap because you never are. 
Um, and so there are levels to the game. However, when we're in, and, and this is not for the panel, this is for the general audience. When we're in these moments together, we're at the same level in the now. And in your mind, you might uh, view one of the uh, folks on the panel as, well, I can never be that, or I can't keep up with him, or why does he think that way, or why does he talk that way, or why does, et cetera. Y you can think that, and that's fine. But in the now, we're together. And so we're on the same level in the now. Where you're not on the same level is when you start operating in the past or in the future with your thoughts. And so when we're sharing time in the now, we're all on the same time. Where, we're, where things fall apart a little bit is when someone is perhaps listening and they start reflecting on their past and thinking about, well, or when they start looking at the future, I could never. So I feel that these kind of conversations should illustrate to people out there. If you ever think about coming onto the collective podcast, you're at the same level if you can operate in the now. The conversation that we have in the now is all even Steven, as it were. So um, yes, there's levels to the game, but if you can operate in the now within a collective, then you are all aligned shoulder to shoulder. This is a, that's a great point. And uh, it reminds me of the first, uh, the first show we did on imposter syndrome, which I, I thought it was a great show. It was Seb, Sean, Alan Shabaro, and, uh, and Fran Rachopi. So we got two green berets, one ERT guy and, for, and a former JTF2. And then I'm sitting there going like, yay me, right? <laughs> like imposter syndrome. Let's talk about this. This is going to be great. But what I found out through that conversation was that we were all dealing with imposter syndrome across the board. There was none of us that was not dealing with imposter syndrome. And it was through that conversation that I was like, uh, okay, so we are, we are operating at the same level in this conversation, in this moment. And then you, and that, that just like, it totally re enabled me to relax and engage the conversation that much more. And it allowed me also to build a relationship in the moment versus trying to build a relationship based off of my past and somebody else's past, right? Well, I, we shouldn't be hanging out because this guy's a green beret and I'm not like, no, that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> We're here right now building a relationship. So I want to ask you guys about the ability to build those relationships, the ability to see um, somebody across from you and go, yes, let's, and being fully in that moment, what is some of the, I guess maybe the tips, the tricks, the things that you do that allow you to just kind of fall into that conversation. Hunter, come to you first, what do you think? Um, yeah, I, I think so you're establishing rapport between the two of you. I mean, for me, I'm like, I'm trying to find commonalities. I want to know, like, who is this person? Like, on, on just on a base level, who are you? Where do you come from? What makes you tick a little bit? And then you start to realize, yes, they're a person too. They may have done X, Y, and Z, and they're great in their own right and all the things. But, oh, wait, you're from this small town in South Dakota, too? Oh, my gosh, we have this in common. You realize we're, we're not too, too different after all. And so it's always like, what's, what's some common ground? What are common interests? Whatever you can do to just understand that you are, to that point, present, human, spending space together and time together. So for me, it's always like, man, how can we find some commonalities? And that then opens up, you know, conversation to other things. Yeah, absolutely. Seb, thoughts on this? 
Yeah, I, I, I agree fully with Hunter on that. And I, I will add that for me, there's a lot of vibing going on. I feel people for whatever weird reason. And so when I'm having a conversation with somebody or we're, we're, we're connecting to a level, um, you know, I, I will sort of try to try to see the person on a, on a fundamental, on a fundamental level. Is this person, does this person have a good heart? Does this person, you know, in for the collective is this person wanting to contribute and 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 so this is the commonality piece that hunter speaks about it's a share endeavor we're going in the same direction pulling in the same direction if that if that person is very qualified and has all of those things that's super cool and i appreciate that and i love that but also we're pulling in the same direction and that is where the the interest lies in me in 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 sort of not only harboring that connection but continuing it you know, after, because if one, if the collective has taught me one thing is that we are creating a network of like-minded individual as all at all levels of the game. And, and, and that is a major driving force in, in what we are trying to accomplish. And I believe that it's, I don't, to my knowledge, it hasn't been done in, in, in this fashion. And I think that we're starting to see more and more people wanting to be a part of this. And what do you think that does? It, it just reinforces our, 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 you know, our mission statement, and it, and it reinforced our ability to optimize that mission um, outcome. So exactly the same as Hunter, I, I tend to sort of let people and I tend to reserve judgment. And I turn I, I, I tend to look at myself as well, if I'm having a say an adverse reaction to somebody, or something that somebody says, or maybe perhaps somebody is perceived as being a little bit arrogant, or whatever the case may be, I'm always asking looking internally, why am I reacting to this person? Not what has that person done wrong? Because most of the time that person hasn't done anything wrong. It's my reaction or my insecurities or or some of the things that are going through my head. So I will introspect and and sort of put him aside. And and that's an important piece because as soon as you put a label on somebody, you know, oh, we don't get we don't get along or I don't like this person, or you just shut all possibility of creating a, a connection that potentially could have been very beneficial. And just think about how many times in your life you've met somebody that you initially didn't like and you became best friends. All too many times. <laughs> Sean, any thoughts on this? Well, I, I vibe my way through the world and I can connect deeper with someone in an elevator in a foreign country sometimes in 30 seconds or less than I can with perhaps someone who I'll spend an entire day with. It depends. It depends on the individual. It depends on the moment. It depends on how much that other person is familiar with the rapid evolution of a synchronicity moment. And not everyone is familiar with these kind of things. And so I feel it, it isn't simply an algorithm that is linear. It is a algorithm that requires immense depth if you're going to vibe on a rapid, deep level in a short timeline. And so timeline is critical to the conversation, I feel, because none of us are infinite, at least in this human form. And so um, how to best spend your time? vibing at a deeper level so that you can learn more about yourself and the other person and the world around you and how this whole game works how how can you spend your time to gain the most for the world around you well i suppose that all depends on how you've run your life and so <clears throat> to seb's point i would i would like to think that i have the um wisdom or grace to 
give my best for the entire planet, but I can't. I, I don't for some reason. And that's because I realize that this is a finite journey. And the time that I spend in it, I'm trying to spend it wisely or efficiently, um, seeking to create the, the most for those around me in the sense of change or betterment. And so if I get resistance, if I bump up against resistance, either it's a felt resistance or it's a demonstrated resistance, I, I can't then make it my own personal pet project to spend the rest of my life trying to deepen a relationship with someone who is highly reluctant to deepen that relationship with me or cause so much turmoil or chaos that that I'll call it, uh, for lack of a better term, that pet project then is all consuming to produce a result that is not even a blip on the radar in context of what we're trying to do as a group for a larger group wrapped around us. And so I think it's important to consider how you spend your time um, trying to create relationships with the world around you and with yourself. All that the pet projects in the world could line up in front of me. And there aren't, there isn't enough time in my life to get to work on all of the pet projects. So I think we have to choose our pet projects wisely, as it were. It's mm, an interesting thought on that as well. You guys, I got a couple comments I want to hit, but are there any thoughts before I jump into that one? Seb, Hunter, no? Okay, good. Uh, so. Julie jumps in here and said, good evening. Great to learn from a variety of people via podcasts, books, and research. This is a great point as well as that. I love the fact that a variety of people, you got to really expand your, uh, your footprint for sure. Um, that guy, <laughs> uh, United Rentals Tonka Truck, he says, it takes a village to raise a child. That holds true throughout life, I feel. And what you've done here is a great example. It, absolutely. Steve jumps in here. He says, we are all in the game. Absolutely, we are. And he says, yes, Seb, internal reflection. Why do I? Why am I? These are all great questions. Um, the question I have for you guys next is, to your point, Sean, do you think the environment has something to do with it in terms of building these relationships? Because I'm thinking back on um, Operation Pegasus Jump and that a lot of the barriers that you would engage that would kind of prevent these relationships from being built in the world get kind of taken down in places like Pegasus Jump, or I imagine even at the uh, University of High Performance, right? Like these people, uh, the walls come down when they're in a position or when they're surrounded by people like-minded or um, from similar backgrounds, similar experiences. So how much do you think that the, the environment that you're in affects the relationships that you're building in those moments? Hunter, may I come to you first? What do you think? I, I would say as much of, as anything ever could. Um, I don't love the word suffering because I think suffering can be a choice, but we've heard about sh like shared suffering. And when you're doing hard things together, I mean, one of the things we, that we first do with one of our courses is we have a morning in which they do some hard stuff physically together and they work as a team. And so they come in and everybody, I'm sure has seen it. Everybody comes in feeling each other out a little bit. Maybe I'm going to talk to this person. Maybe I'm going to talk to that person. They go through the event together. And by the end of it, the camaraderie that is formed due to that shared experience that they have together. And I think it's why we see, and it's one of the reasons why within the military community, um, you see, especially when people leave and they take the uniform off, that camaraderie 
of the events that people had, had gone through. Um, but within the athletic world and all that it is, the environment to me, other than who might be leading them or whatever it is, might be the most important thing. So how can you, if you can control the environment and you're trying to create these bonds, these relationships, whatever that is, how do you create that environment to kind of rapidly get those relation, relationships, excuse me, to form faster, to create that trust if that's what you're trying to do. Um, but environment is huge. Yeah, absolutely. Seb, thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I think that environment is, as 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 uh, Hunter alluded to, is extremely important, and we all we all know that. I think what the problem is is when the environment becomes where you want to go next time, and the next time, and the next time, you want to stay in your comfort zone and remain in the environment that's conducive to the things that you know and you're comfortable with. And so, understanding that your environment has an incredibly powerful impact on where you are going to go, and understanding that having varied lenses and seeing the world through varying varying lenses is so important you're gonna have to go in environments where you're absolutely out or you feel absolutely out of your depth and i think what's important to recognize is that once your sense of self-worth is unaffected by almost anything you can go anywhere and do anything it really doesn't it doesn't matter because you don't start you know self-doubting every time you're in a new environment because you don't know the, you know the the norms or the routines or you don't know you know how to communicate properly in 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 a sense that you don't know the lingo maybe or whatever whatever the case may be but if you're challenging yourself you know you want to go you know you've you want to take something deeper you you just got a, a puppy and now you want to train dogs for a year or two to find out what it what that feels like and you know you've never done that so when you show up the first time yes it is awkward yes it is the the sort of the feeling out process as hunter was talking about if you go to a jiu-jitsu tournament for your first time that is a major you know uh reality check in terms of 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 a feeling that everybody else is looking at you and you're being assessed and all this stuff, but it all goes down once once the bell rings and and the matches start. And at the end of the match, you're going around and hugging everybody and taking everybody's Instagram, and you realize that that shared adversity really got you where you needed to be, which is exactly where you are, because you've made a decision to switch your environment so that you could learn from other people and develop other lenses to to view the world. Mm, I like where you're going with that, Sean. Thoughts on this? Well, your environment is critical unless you aren't in your environment. So I'll make a quick case for you. Currently, we're out in the Kiso Valley as part of the Nakasendo Trail, often referred to as the Samurai Trail, going back to the Edo period of Japan when the royal families used to travel from what's now known as Tokyo to Kyoto. And so as they were traveling this trail, uh, historically, it was quite a rough journey that was fraught with danger. And therefore, samurai were attached to the various contingents to move safely through the mountainous forests that are surrounding us right now. We came out here, Doreen and I, so that we could experience part of that history and culture. Specifically, I want to walk in the footsteps of true warriors through a historical context, through the samurai and also the ninja, as it were, to better feel that world, to better smell and interact with our modern world, but through the contextuality of a historical lens. And so if I didn't understand the environment that I was 
putting myself in through some contemplation, through some feel, then we would simply be two more tourists bumbling through a Japanese Banff or a, a, a Japanese Quebec City or a Japanese what have you, a Disneyland, as it were, rather than a deeply impactful moment. And I feel that that is the, um, the importance of this question that you ask is your understanding of your environment that you're in. If you're stepping into an environment, uh, as Hunter said, where you're about to enter into some form of adversity, where you're going to test yourself, when you're going to learn more about yourself, where you're going to learn more about the group around you, where you're going to learn about your existence as a human, you could go through the motions and gain from it for sure. But unless you're existing in the environment, understanding why you're in that environment with some introspection in the now, then you are missing a large piece of the puzzle. Walking the Nakasendo Trail as we did yesterday uh, could have been a Disneyland walk, but it was much deeper than that. And I felt that uh, if I put it up on my Instagram stories, where I, I interacted with two large waterfalls. Um, they're, they're commonly referred to as the male and the female waterfalls here, uh, just outside of uh, Simagajuko, where we are right now. And as legend states, Miyamoto Masashi moved up into the Nakasendo Trail area to deeply reflect on his life and his martial arts style. And he spent time by those two waterfalls trying to understand the world around him. He would never become the man that he became. He never would have had the impact that he did if all he was doing was swinging two swords around next to two waterfalls and day after day, just considering it as a rote routine. I believe that he probably thought more deeply about life when he was up by those waterfalls. And I think that that is the crux of the question, the crux of the matter, as it were, that our lives are only as deep as we think deeply. Bam, mic drop moment. Hunter, you got any thoughts on that at all? No, I mean, I don't want to follow up that too much, but I mean, it, it's... Yeah, it's the beautiful points as far as being present, enjoying the moment, enjoying the environment and, and the effects that that can take. Is it a learning environment? Is it a growth environment? Two people can be in the same one in that perspective on, on truly what it is and what they walk away is, man, that was awesome. I learned so much. I'm like, dude, I didn't get anything out of that. What did you see? Like, so it's, although the environment can be everything, I think to that point perspective, um, being present, being in the moment is, is such a difference maker, even in the same environment. Absolutely. Seb, any points to add? Yep. I agree. I mean, you can be in any environment, but if you're not in the environment, you're, you're, you're simply there in presence in, in, in body, so to speak, and you're, you're really not there. And so, you know, that's, that's, um, that takes self-awareness and it takes self-regulation. Sometimes when I'm somewhere and I, and I, for a certain amount of time, maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes, maybe an hour, I don't see anything around me or I don't feel anything around me or I don't, I don't, I don't take away from what's around me until I make the conscious decision to do that. You know, and that speaks to gratitude, really, at the end of the day. And so I, I really, you know, by, 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 and w when we speak about gratitude, this isn't a buzzword. This is something that applies against life 
daily in every single little menial task that we take on, which, you know, drinking water or getting up off your chair without ha without needing assistance or petting your dog of yours that, you know, probably thinks you're the greatest thing in the world or doing, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so for me, this is, yes, it, it's critically important. The self-awareness piece is critically important and bring yourself back in line. So it's not that you necessarily feel like that naturally all the time. And it's important to be there to remind yourself to do that. I, uh, I'm loving this conversation just because this is fantastic. I, uh, I, am having trouble like, uh, carrying it on, but I just want to hit these up. Lloyd from Canada. I hope Lloyd knows Ben from Canada. If you guys know Ben. Yeah. The, um, Salty Jinx jumps over here. He says, uh, understanding and adapting to the environment with purpose and thought before, during, and after can actually shift your goals organically and without losing the moment and yourself. And this goes into the point that I was going to bring up here is that what I'm getting is that, <clears throat> you know, the topic we were talking about is defining relationships. But what I'm hearing is that a relationship with anything, whether it be a person or a place or a moment or anything like that, is defined only if we take the time to then define it. And you think I'm off base on that? Or do you think I'm kind of online. Sean, I'm going to go with you first. What do you think? I, I think that's a constant journey where we're defining our relationships with time, with people around us, with ourselves, with the environment, with our simple thoughts or our complex thoughts. All of these things that uh, are part of the human existence, I think, uh, deserve the time to deeply consider. And what is deep? Well, deep is only as deep as you've thought last time, and then go just a little bit deeper the next time. And so I, I often refer to it as bandwidth. Your bandwidth is only as broad or as narrow as you have determined through the course of your life. If your entire existence has been from your house to your office and back again, you've got a narrow bandwidth. If, if you're a world traveler with global friends who think deeply, well, now you have a broad bandwidth. Our bandwidth is what not only defines us, it's what shapes our potential in the future. And so um, I think truly the journeys that we've all led are what put us into this moment today. But the journeys ahead of us are up to us to decide on how much we want to expand our bandwidth. Damn. Seb, thoughts on this? I do, man. Um, you know, <clears throat> with respect to Salty Jinx's comment, and I was I was considering that when Sean was telling the story about Musashi. But what I really like is that Musashi took himself out after a period of intense warfare and feudal Japan was kind of, you know, uh, getting a little bit calmer, so to speak. And he got himself out of the environment. So he, he ended up processing things that occurred in a previous environment in a different environment. And I think that that's something that's critically important. Also, sometimes in order for you to get clarity of thoughts, you need to take your operation in a different context. And so you can still ponder all the things that you're going to be pondering in relation to the previous environment, but you are now bringing it into a different environment, which allows you to be in a different frame of mind, which changes the angles and the lenses by way you view the world. And so I think that sometimes if you find yourself stuck somewhere and there seemingly is no end or no no reprieve, perhaps sometimes changing the environment 
you know, on you and, and, and really allow yourself the time to embrace the new environment is going to bring a new perspective to the environment that you left that you couldn't figure out. Interesting. Hunter, thoughts on this? Yeah, it's, I think we continue to talk about the, the amount and the number of factors that goes into it, whether it's how wide our aperture is, the experiences that we've had, the relationships that we've had, why we're there. I mean, it, it's like you let off with as far as, you know, did I recognize at the time, you know, what my dad, my father was doing for us, even my mom, whatever it may be. And no, that doesn't change what happened at that time in those moments. It was my experience, my perspective at that moment to then later be able to look back and reflect upon. So yeah, the, the amount of things that can go into really what defines the moment, what de defines relationships you could have had the greatest mentor in the world, but if you weren't in the right place to accept them for what they were offering at the time, then that goes over your head. It's not the lessons are never learned, whether that's a person, whether that's an event, whether it's an environment, whatever that may be. And so, so many factors can alter, can shift those things to right place, right time, lesson learned, wrong place, wrong time. You know, the lesson could be missed. Yeah, absolutely. Sean, I'm going to come back to you on this one. What do you think? Yeah, and to, to Hunter's point as a follow-on, uh, I, I think he's already stated it, but I'll, I'll clearly state it, uh, that uh, maybe you weren't ready for that lesson at that time, but many years later, the lesson appears as a gift uh, as you evolve as a human being or as, as you perhaps reflect on the moment from a different vector, as Seb said. Uh, sometimes for us to become more three-dimensional, we need to uh, move from a location to another location to get a fresh set of eyeballs on our life, on our worldly experiences. And so uh, I think the more vectors you can incorporate into your life or the wider your bandwidth you can create, the more easily it is to gain wisdom from the moments that slip by you when you weren't wise. And, uh, and I don't want to suggest that anyone has to hop on a plane and come out to the Nakasendo Trail and uh, uh, get wiser for the moment because that is not available to everyone uh, there are there's resource burn rate on that time and money and not everyone currently has that uh, luxury perhaps uh, however i feel that this is uh, simply a vehicle as it were to gain these sort of um uh, experiences these these it's a vehicle that allows you to understand the world around you while walking the Nakasendo trail but you don't need to be on a Nakasendo trail our lives are a trail and so as we walk on the trail it's for us to create what we want in front of us to become richer and wiser for it and so my first thought goes to creating a new environment uh, by tying on a white belt just as miyamoto masashi did went from a masterful ability with a sword or two swords more correctly and then picked up a calligraphy pen for the first time as a rank amateur as it were and then began to draw and became an artist the artist's way and so he had the sword way and he had the artist's way i think that we all have infinite amounts of white belts in front of us it's for us to choose which white belt we want to pick up next and uh, become richer for it and in so doing learn a new vector or a new way to experience life yeah 
I, uh, when we first started talking, you know, we brought up uh, the word relentless. And I think that is, I think that's the key in what we're talking about here is that it is a, it's not so much a, a zealous pursuit in terms of just absolutely everything at all times. It's not, you're not going 10 out of 10 on everything always, but it is a continual process. Sometimes you got to drop it into first gear and just kind of like roll for a bit and then eventually work your way back up to fourth or fifth, but then bring yourself back down it. And I, I've always liked the, uh, the concept of gears because it is a, if you were to, if you were to try to run <laughs> in fifth gear across an open field that has all kinds of ruts and stuff, you're going to destroy your vehicle. But if you can drop it into first gear and start and roll and kind of flow with the moment, then you'll have uh, a much easier time later on when you get to the highway and you can really pick up speed. And so I'm wondering, uh, we're almost out of time here, but the, the thoughts on relentlessly pursuing that white belt, relentlessly pursuing that next piece to add into the, the next relationship to add into um, your definition of relationships. Seb, what do you think? Yeah, all, all of those things are metaphorical, right? Like when we talk about changing the environment, when we and Sean alluded to this a, a minute ago, and sometimes it's in the, the simplicity that turns people off. Sometimes when something is too simplistic, it doesn't seem like it should work. It doesn't seem like it's worth investing in. And those are exactly the little things. You know, when, when things go wrong in life, I got, I got some, I got some news when things go badly, very, very badly in life, you, you're going to look back and it's the little things that you miss. It's the little things that you have taken for granted. It's not the big events. It's not the big, you know, the big things. And so for me, I, I do believe that we, we need to have the ability to really be in the moment. And so if I'm pursuing a white belt or if I'm, if I'm taking something on, it's the little the little wins along the way it's the process itself that i'm embracing it's the white belt and and i i know it sounds you know everybody and their dog is 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 bringing i don't know what's with me and dogs today but you know everybody everybody constantly alludes to that but really it's important to take these little the little steps towards the outcome the desired outcome which is tying up the white belt doing whatever it is that you need to be doing but really it's not a destination it's what you are doing in the in the moment. And so that's the part that's very, very important. And as simplistic as it sounds, it's extremely powerful. And it's beyond powerful. And now you start tallying up the little wins. And when things are hitting in life, what do we know? We go back to what it is that our tracking history has demonstrated. And I've got all these little wins because every little thing that I take on in, in varying environment, I give my best to and I try to move forward in that direction. So yeah, there'll, there'll be velocity shifts but that's part of the process as well. Yeah, absolutely. Hunter, any thoughts on this? Yeah. I mean, the, the belt, the gears, um, relentless pursuit. It's to, to, to the point. I love how there's so many tangents that, I mean, we start talking, how do we define relationships and those that were, you know, that had such a big impact on us. And now we're into, to me, like what comes is, is your why, whether you're going, you're in first gear, whether you're in fifth gear, whatever it is, but I mean, truly like getting into what keeps you moving forward. What is that pursuit that, you know, continues to, to grow with you. And so, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm going to keep it simple because I've got so many thoughts in my head that goes along with that, but yeah, it's keep showing up, 
keep showing up, finding, finding that reason why to keep moving forward, whatever that looks like. Um, I, I love the expression. You're not here to feel, um, when you establish your why, that doesn't mean don't be in touch with your feelings. That doesn't mean that feelings don't matter, but you're going to have good days. You're going to have great days. You're going to have bad days, but being able to figure out what keeps you moving forward. What is that relentless per- pursuit being present in the moment? Pause, notice, choose. This is why I'm here. This is the environment. This is the opportunity. And Seb, I don't know, even know if he ref- he re- knows he referenced it, but as far as he's talking about basic, as far as having a choice, I have the choice to continue. I have the choice not to quit. And the fact that he dropped in the word choice, I thought was so beautiful um, because that's what it is. You have, you have a choice. And so just so many thoughts around relentless pursuit. Outstanding. Sean, thoughts on this? Well, it is a relentless pursuit of what? And it, 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 that sentence always in my mind is terminated with the relentless pursuit of excellence. That is a team motto that will stand the test of time, carve it on a stone tablet, put it up on top of a mountain, and it should remain there for all time. The relentless pursuit of excellence. And excellence is only defined by you in the now. If you consider at this moment right now what you strive to be, and then just add an extra 10%, that's excellence. Ordinary versus extraordinary. Extraordinary excellence, perhaps, is the key phrase for me, where if you seek just a little bit more, if you adventure in the world around you just a little bit more, that, to me, is the relentless pursuit of a good life. Bam. Mic dropping right at the end there. I like it. Quick little comment here. Salty jumps in here. He's saying, I think it's not just the trail as you see and walk, but seeing the prints in the dirt and snow and realizing the depth of the effects you had and will have as you step away from that moment to the next. Salty, well done. (laughs) Beautifully put. Uh, Now we are running a little short on time, so we're going to do some final thoughts and then we'll uh, shut her down for the evening. But... uh, Thank you guys. This has been a fantastic conversation. I, I don't have words for it. And I got friggin' timestamps up the wazoo. Let me tell you, I don't know how I'm going to pull clips from this. Cause it was fantastic. Uh, Seb final thoughts. I think we need, we need to get a seat to salty jinx in here at some point. He's demonstrating the, that he has the capacity to be here. 100%. <laughs> um, but no, a great conversation really enjoyed it as well. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, don't look for perfection. Look, look, look for what you can take from the people around you. And, and those people are not necessarily in an official mentoring role and, and take the best out of everybody instead of, instead of writing people off on small things. And if you start writing people off on small things, start looking into what in you causes that and causes you to do that because you're going to be missing out on a whole bunch of stuff as soon as you start shutting out in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Hunter? Anything still brewing in the back of the head there? Yeah, it's, I mean, you get, Seb's words, choice. You get to define what those, what those relationships are, how you show up, the attitude, the effort, the things that you control, the mindset that you have. So it's, it comes down to the choice and then you get to define what the relationship is. The more you put it, put in, the more you pour into the others, the more that you're going to get back out of it. And so choice, we'll just say that. I love it. Sean? 
Any final thoughts? Well, we are a collective and Salty Jinx demonstrates that every single day after he watches every single podcast that we do, every day he puts up a paraphrased thought on how much or what he or all of the stuff that he gained from the podcast, how it's positively impacted his life. And so though I've never shaken his hand, I hope to someday because he's in the game. He's in a relationship with all of us every single day, but not just a relationship with us, but a relationship with the broader world around him by expressing his thoughts and ideas and what he's gained from the collective. And in so doing, he's forming his own collective. Yeah, 100%. And to that point, one day, Seb, one day. <laughs> we'll get you on here soon, Salty, don't you worry. Um, I, I really can't thank you guys enough for this conversation. It has been absolutely fantastic. And uh, I, I don't have a lot to add here other than the fact that, you know, learn how you define your relationships. I think that's the first step. Once you can do that, you can build on anything. You can then utilize each one of those relationships to define other relationships. And once you can build upon that, you can grow as a person every day. And you can do it with us here on The Collective. We'll see you all tomorrow. Chimo. Chimo.